0: Good good afternoon, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying the 1st of December. There's a lot of newcomers here today. I'm Good to see some new faces. Where are you guys from? Oh, you guys are from Seoul, Newfoundland, which campus? Are you guys in Mays? Oh, snap. Mays in the house. Man, the college kids up in this place. All college kids back there. All college kids back here. Man, I remember. College kids are good. College kids are good. So you guys came to visit Busan? I'm blessed by you guys. Amen. Amen. Um, for those of you guys I know, Emmaus is our college ministry we have back in Seoul. And uh, it's, it's uh, headed up by Pastor Aaron, our lead pastor, along with the staff over there. I'm going to put this away. It's kind of distracting me. Um, yeah. I'm gonna be on, continuing on with the sermon series that I started a, like about three weeks ago. No, four weeks ago. It's almost a month ago since I, it's almost a month ago. <laughs> it's almost a month ago since I preached last. Um, we had Pastor Lydia preach, and then we had uh, uh, Pastor uh, Christian come and he preached uh, a few weeks ago. And so this is gonna be a continuation of developing a sense of call, um, and it's a sermon series that I started a while back. Uh, the last sermon I preached was over an hour long. It's an hour and seven minutes long. And I, uh, I feel bad. And so, I'm gonna, although, you know, there's a lot of good things that I can learn from Pastor Christian. You know, he is a, is a man of revelation. He's a man of God. Uh, long sermons shouldn't be one of them. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I try to keep this, uh, sermon as short as possible. It might, you know, it might run a little bit, but, you know, I'm gonna try my best. Okay? Uh, uh, the, developing a sense of cause. Uh, understanding where you belong. You know, a lot of people ask that question, you know, why am I on this earth? You know, if you guys have asked that question, raise your hand. Why am I? Why do I exist? You know, like, and a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people in the secular world pay thousands of dollars to, you know, all these different kinds of psychics and, and, and numerologists and all these different kinds of people to really figure out why they exist on this earth. Um, but for the believer, for the Christian, the question is a little, a little different. It's not, why do I exist? The question is, what is God's call for my life? Right. What does God call me to? And uh, and uh, developing a sense of call isn't about telling you what God wants for you to do right now. You know, like I could kind of like you know tell you right now, you know, God wants you to do this, mm-hmm. and and I help you to come to that conclusion. Developing a sense of call means that you're you're in a relationship with God to a place where you you know what the call is for your life at that moment or at that time. It's like giving a man. Of, To giving a man a fish versus teaching a man to fish. I mean, I could tell, I could give you a fish right now. You're going to eat it and you will be, you will be full, but tomorrow you're not going to have a fish unless you know how to fit, unless you know how to fish. Uh, so last time I talked about putting first things first, putting the fundamental things first in your relationship with God. You know, God, you know, He, He, He's more invested, He's invested in a relationship with you. You know, And so in that sense, you need, you're the most important, the first thing that you need to put in your relationship is that relationship that you have with God. Now, that needs to come first. That's one of the first things I need. To, and the first thing's first, relationship is first. Another thing that comes first uh, is that God is looking more at your character than what you could do for Him. A lot of people think, hey, I could do this for God. I could do that for God. But you know, more than what, he, what you can do for Him, He's looking at your character. Right. He's a, he's more interested in what you are becoming, than what you can ultimately do for him. And so, you know, character is very important to God. It's one of the first things that you need to put first in your relationship with God. Another thing is obedience. You know, God is more interested in your obedience than all the the lofty goals that you may have. God wants you to have all those dreams, but if it goes against obeying God's word, you know that, that you're you're off. You're on the wrong track. You're not developing a sense of call on your life. And so the first three that I talked about in my last sermon was relationship, character, and obedience. These are the, thir- these are the things that you need to be putting first in your life. You've got to be making sure that your character is right. You've got to make sure that you're being obedient to the Word of God. I and mean, you have to make sure that your relationship with God is is where it needs to be. You know? um, the second thing that, you-, that uh, you need to know in developing a sense of call is going to sound a lot like a sermon that I preached from our fifth core value. Okay, we have nine core values. And our fifth core value is anointing flows from the top down. And from the explanation of that fifth core value, we get two words that my sermon is based on today. Those words are authority and submission. You put it together, you get submission to authority and today i want to talk to you about what these two words have to do with developing your sense of call you know this sermon might rub some people the wrong way and so for some of the newcomers for some of the people that haven't been coming to new philly this might just go right over your head be like man what did that man talk about <laughs> but you know what you might not, you don't have to understand it in your mind but you just have to need, you just need to catch it in your spirit yeah. i mean you you might not be in that place where you could fully understand it but if you receive it with a heart, with an open heart, with a heart of submission, and then, you, then you're going to catch it in that spirit. And when the time comes right, it's going to be a part of who you are. So I encourage you guys to pay attention and listen. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it up to the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to throw it out there. The Holy Spirit, do your thing. <laughs> I want you guys to turn your Bibles to First Samuel chapter 3. Samuel... 1 Samuel chapter 3. Okay, uh, I'm going to read you chapter, verse 1. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent visions. It says here that the young man Samuel was ministering under Eli. Under Eli. And brothers and sisters, my message to you is simple today. If you want to develop a sense of call on your life, you need to minister from under spiritual authority. In other words, if you want God to reveal His plan for your life, if you want to develop a sense of call, it's essential that you commit to a local church and that you are in submission to spiritual authority. You need to get yourself under spiritual authority. It is key in developing a sense of call in your life, and today we're going to jump right into the Bible, and we're going to go into Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Actually, I want you guys to turn to Hebrews thirteen seventeen, and it says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account." Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. The NIV says obey them, for their, the, for their work would be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. The Word of God says obey your leaders and submit to their authority. But when we look at the people in the church today, many people have a problem submitting to authority. They don't like it. Now that word authority... Like I don't like it, you know, when I think of the word authority, I think of Cartman from the show South Park. You know, I, I you know in my in my backslidden days I watched a lot of a lot of uh South Park. I kinda I am not gonna lie, Holy Spirit. I do watch a few episodes of South Park here and there just to <laughs> see how it's going over there. But um in the in that do you see that fat boy Cartman and he says, Respect my authority. <laughs> I mean he runs around saying, Respect my authority, you know. And, and And when we think of it when the word authority comes when we hear it we it, we see it in so many negative connotations to the word authority now, we automatically think of misuse of authority and most people have a problem with submitting to it that they're going to lose control that they're going to lose their freedom now, i had I had feelings like this and when I was going through college I was going through a, a Bible school and then, man I started I, the spirit of rebellion came upon my life and I just wanted to I said something bad. <laughs> Forget you, authority. I just want to just take off, you know. And you might think that you have the free the the when you have the freedom to do whatever you want, you know, you think that's real freedom. But you know, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, you you might think that you have freedom, but you know, when you follow freedom like that, it leads you to bondage. Yeah. You know, my life is a key example of that. Now, I I felt really restricted, and so I was like, man, I want to get free. I wanna do what I want to do. And I went and did what I went to do. And I got under a lot of bondage, brothers and sisters. But it's when we submit to the things of God that you are able to find true freedom. Amen? Amen. And other people are like, I don't like it. I don't wanna hear it. You know, I'll date who I want. I'll go where I wanna go. I'll do what I wanna do. I don't, why are you telling me what to do? I'm just gonna quit. I, I, I don't like this. I'm going to do what I feel like I should do because I know better what I need and what's better for me. When we look at the people in the church today, we see a lot of people like this. A lack of submission. And the damage from this lack of submission is clear in the churches and a lot of the churches we see today. And we see a lot of different denominations, church splits, factions, dissensions. It's caused a lack of submission and authority. To, to, kind of break out in the church. And, and, you know, growing up in a Korean American neighborhood in LA, you know, there's a lot of Korean Americans in LA. I think there's more Korean Americans, Korean Americans in LA than any, any other place in America. It's like, K-Town is basically a part of Korea, in essence. And growing up in a Korean American area like LA, I went to a lot of Korean American churches. And there's there a reason why there's a lot of Korean American churches in LA is because they all went through church splits. It's like mitosis. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, you know, And it's not church planning because it doesn't happen that way. It happens through fighting. It happens through bitterness. It happens through a lack of, a lack of submission. Man, and, and, and people with a problem with authority, they all have their same excuses on why they can't submit. You know, the number one excuse, I used to use it all the time, I don't like my leader. I don't like him. I don't like the way he looks. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way the the, the things he does. Well, you can keep on not liking your leader all you want. And it just says nowhere in the Bible that you have to la- like your leaders. And the Bible can't force you to like your leaders. You know what I mean? However, the Bible does talk about submitting to your leaders, whether you like them or not. And I've been a part of a lot of mission trips in my life. And I've been a part of a lot of mission trips, and I've led a lot of mission trips. And uh, when I'm on a team leading a trip, it's not important whether you like me or not. But it is important that you submit to my leadership. You know, it's great that you like me. You're like, yeah, hey, you no, know, Caleb, he's great. His team always fun. He, he tells good jokes, and you know, we probably he's probably gonna let us go eat some like good food. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's great that you like me, but when everything is going when everybody's going to bed and I ask you to go out with me into the dark streets of Bangladesh to buy some some good drinking water for the team at twelve thirty in the morning, it's not going to be the fact that you like me that's gonna God's gonna help you to go with me. It's your submission to authority that's gonna get you to act. At that moment, liking your leader is not gonna help you fulfil God's purpose for you. It's submission to authority. And it's clear that the Bible is saying, what the Bible is saying about submission to authority. You gotta do it. You just gotta do it. You might not like the lead, what the leader is doing, the direction he's, he's taking things. You know, I might just tell Kelly one day, Kelly, I want you to step down from me, welcoming team. Thank you for your service. But I would like you to step down. And then one of you guys, the member, one of the members on the welcoming team I'd be like, Well, what are you doing? She's the best welcoming team leader that we've ever had. What are you, crazy? What are you, crazy? Who else are you going to raise up? Now, what, what are you doing, Pastor Christian? Is it because she's black? What's wrong? When it comes down to it, first of all, you might not know the whole story, right? There might be a loving reason why I'm asking Kelly to step down. You know, It might be the best thing for her at this time. But ultimately, it doesn't concern you. It's not a place for you to judge whether or not the leader's decision is right or wrong. If you don't like your leaders, and you don't like what they're doing, you know what God tells you to do? Does he tell you to go out and get a bunch of people that think like you, to start thinking more like you, and then go to another group of people, and then start having meetings on the side, and ultimately go and say, we don't like this guy. No. What does God tell you? It says obey them and submit to their authority. You know, sometimes people give the give the excuse I can't follow my leader because he's just straight wrong. And he's, like, he's wrong. They're wrong. You know, let's say the leader is wrong. Let's say he has some crazy bad ideas. You know, they're under bondage, they're out to do things for religious gain. You know, they're they're out to get power, they're acting selfishly. They have personal bitterness towards people. And let's say that this leader has all these things wrong with them. What does the Bible still tell you to do? tells you to submit to your leaders, obey their authority. You see, the leaders don't answer to you. You think they do. You think that they're there to lead you, that they answer to you, but you know what? They answer to God. And God will deal with them. It's not your role to set them straight with whatever tactics that you may come up with. It's not your job to change the way they are. You know, it says in Hebrews thirteen seventy, we read it, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. They answer to God. And if they're wrong, God will deal with them. You, know, you might not like you might like, not like what they're doing, you might not like the way he looks. Oh, he's offensive. He he passes gas in, in public. And God says, submit to them anyways. And I'm going to show you some clear example. I looked at Anthony because I remember one time he was like, yeah. <laughs> My family doesn't do that. <laughs> I was like, what, well, your family doesn't pass gas? <laughs> I'm going to give you some clear examples of this kind of submission in the Bible. It's all biblical, brothers and sisters. When you look at our first passage in 1 Samuel, Right before this, in chapter two, we see that God He totally rejects the house of Eli. I mean, like Eli, it says in the Bible that that his sons were worthless men, <laughs> worthless men. Literally, calls them worthless men, and and Samuel and his whole family was was rejected as priests. But right after that, in chapter three, we see God use Eli, a rejected leader who was clearly in the wrong, to train up and develop the call of Samuel. You know, another example is King Saul. Saul rejects the Word of God. He's disobedient to God. He doesn't follow the Word of God. And then God rejects him as king. You know, first, he's like, you know, Israelites are like, oh, we want a king. He's like, all right, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And you know, Saul, he was good-looking. He was he was, he was, he was a good-looking man. He had a great physique. They say he was like, you know, like, like you know, pleasing to the eyes. And he's... Good man, but he, he had all the wrong things in his heart. Right. And his heart was not right before the Lord. So he gets rejected by God. Completely rejected by God. And then David gets anointed by Samuel to be king when he's a little teenager. But who does God use to raise up and train up David as a leader? He uses Saul. He uses crazy King Saul. Man, I have to kill David. He, was, he literally got possessed by a demon. He was like, I'm going to kill David went after him. And David literally had to flee. Right. You know, him and his men, they're like, man, I'm going to run away. But you know, in his heart, he never stopped submitting to that man. Yeah. Right. You know, we you see a sign of this when, when, when Saul, when David and his men are hiding out, they're inside of his cave. This big cave. And then Saul and his men, they're looking for David and, and Saul being king. He's like, oh, I can't do my business in front of everybody. I'm going to go inside this cave and do my business. So he goes into the cave. Talk about urinating. <laughs> he goes into the cave. He he does his business. And and then David and his men are in the cave. And then his men are like, Man, this is the moment that God was talking about. He he will deliver your enemy into your hands. And they're like, Man, this is the moment for you to to take down the king and become king. What does David do? Does he kill He has that opportunity. Does he kill him? No. He literally, after Saul leaves, he prostrates himself in front of Saul. And he, he submits to him. He, he com- completely submits to his authority, even when this dude is out to kill him. Submitting to the authority that God has placed over you. And you know he's clearly wrong. But, but God wants you to submit anyways. You know, and later, later when, de- when the men of David ask him, why didn't you just kill Saul? And you know, when you had the chance, and David replies that he feared God too much to touch his anointed one. Yeah. Yeah. And he also says that God will deal with Saul in his time. David recognized submission to authority. And brothers and sisters, that's the attitude you need to have when your spiritual authority, even when they're wrong. Even when you think that they're wrong. You pray for them. You know, you pray that they'll get restored. You pray that God will change their hearts. But, when you, but you leave it up to God. You don't you don't take your own actions. You don't take matters into your own hands. And what happened to Saul? God took care of Saul. You know? And David was raised up as a new king. When leaders are in the wrong, God deals with them, not you. And this message today should bring a weight of of a weight upon the leaders in this house. If it doesn't, man, you, you got something wrong. Because when I was writing this. God convicted me. He's like, man, do you know what you're writing here? And I was like, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> and the fear of the Lord came upon me, man. And I was like, God, make me right before you. Help me to be a righteous leader. Help me to be the lead with, with love and compassion and with joy in my heart, man. God, the fear of the Lord came upon me. And that's the right. That's the way it should be. The Bible tells us that everyone who's been given much will be demanded much. And from the one who was entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Your leaders will be judged at a higher standard. And that and and that's just the way it is. That's the way it's got to be. Right. There's a cost to leadership, brothers and sisters. Leaders in this house, you guys know, there is a cost to leadership. And we pay that cost with fear of the Lord upon our hearts. Now, recently in America, there was an election, and the people of America went out and they voted. And the candidates with the then the candidate with the majority uh, of the votes, or the electoral college in America, you know, they were chosen to be president. And Barack Obama was reelected as president of the United States, right? Anybody in your vote? Anybody in your vote? No Americans in your voted. Oh man! I think I, I my, my election. I'm Korean citizen, so my my election is like in four days. I think I got to vote. Is it the 18th? All right. a lot of Christians think that church is this way. No, they think that church is a democracy. That the kingdom of God is, everybody has their same say, we all vote, and we all move on with what we're going to do next. But the kingdom of God is not a democracy, it's a theocracy. It's not the majority rules, but it's the master's rule. And God, the master, rules through the leaders that he has chosen and set in place. And God's patient with these leaders. Even though they made mistakes, even though that they, they may have weaknesses, God's very patient with leaders because he wants to restore them. He's established them. And and you, we all have to know that the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. And some of you guys may be asking, well, who is my leader? You know, Is my boss my leader at work? Who is my spiritual authority? Well, a leader is anyone who God has called you to serve you, who God has called you to serve you with spiritual authority. That's a definition of a leader. Anyone who God has called to serve you with spiritual authority. This can mean your pastor. It can mean your Bible study leader. It can mean your small group leaders. It can mean your ministry leaders. You know, a welcoming team leader, service team leader, missions team leader. We're going out on missions. For the ladies in here, this means your husbands. <laughs> the Bible clearly states in Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and, it, and, it, and is himself its Savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And Every girls are like, "What? I didn't see that in no Bible." <laughs> well, it's in the Word of God. It's in there twice, Colossians three as well. When it comes down to it, that's how the family is best. It operates best in that way, when the father answers to the Lord, not when the kids and the mom come together and decide and they take a vote, and then decided to do this and that. But whoever your leader is. Whether in the church or in the family, the Lord tells you, obey and submit to their authority. And some of you guys in here are asking the question, you know, what is submission? What is submission? Dictionary defines submission as the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. What this means is that submission requires that you forfeit your stubbornness. That stubbornness that you have, that the, you know, like I am I can be a little stubborn, but you know, in submission, that means that you have to get rid of your stubbornness. You might have great ideas, but submission requires that after the discussion and the, and the decision has been made, you go with the decision of the leaders. If your pastors tell you that the church is going in one direction, you have to just submit, even if you're not feeling it. And if you really think that the pastor is wrong, you know, you got to pray for the pastor. Right. you got to pray for him. Lovingly suggest things, but don't take it upon yourself and, the, and, and upon the hands of the, uh, a small group of people in your church to go out and, and start spreading gossip and, and slander. You know, today we're going to be announcing missions teams, and some, of, and some of you guys might go on missions, and there's going to be a missions team leader. And when that mission team leader tells you to be at the meeting at 8 o'clock on Tuesday, you got to be there at 7.50. That's submission to authority. You know what I mean? A lot of people aren't... Sung, uh, the, the punctuality it ultimately comes down to submission. It comes down to submission. You know why? Because sometimes some of you guys are never late for work. Because you think that authority is greater. You know what I mean? Some of you guys are like, man, I'm, on, I'm at work at... You guys have to be there by now. I'm at 8.50 every day. So, and, but somebody come 10 minutes late to church. You know, where is your authority? Where is this? Life? It's, it's, uh, punctuality comes down to, it ultimately comes down to authority. It's only when we learn to submit and obey that we truly learn the ways of our master. You know, and some of you guys are here saying, I submit to no man. Man, I don't, I don't submit to man. I submit to God. I only submit to God, but in the kingdom of God, submitting to God himself will often involve submitting to another man. I'm going to tell you that again. Submitting to God himself will often involve submitting to another man. You look at the life of David. He submitted to God, but but his submission to God came in the form of submitting to Saul. Submission is important. You guys have to understand that. You know why? You know why submission is important? Because authority is important. Remember, I gave you two words, submission and authority. Authority is very important. Now Satan came to the earth, tempted Adam and Eve, gave them that apple or the fruit, and like, eat this. And then all of a sudden, what happened was, authority got all discombobulated. You know what I mean? Adam had dominion, had authority, all that got all changed around. And since then, since the fall of man, we have this... This whacked out, messed up view of what authority actually is. But we have to know, brothers and sisters, that authority is key. Authority is very important. Everybody say authority. Authority. Turn to your neighbors and say, "Authority authority is important. Authority is important. You know, you might be saying authority is useless. Each person should have the freedom to do what he pleases. You know, but without authority, you wouldn't have the church. Without authority, you wouldn't have a copy of a Bible that you're reading. If you want to see a picture of what happens when there is no authority, I want you guys to turn to the last chapters of the book of Judges. Old Testament. You guys don't have to really turn there because we're not going to really read it in full. But Old Testament <laughs> is crazy, man. Now, when you read it, there's some crazy things that happen in the Old Testament. And the last chapters of Judges... Were filled with violence and rape, kidnapping, murder, slaughter, and it, it wasn't against the Philistines or the Amalekites or the Midianites; it was against their own people. It was tribe on tribe. I mean, it's like Jew on Jew violence. <laughs> Kelly got that. <laughs> you know, it was against their own people. It was against. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin basically became so just, it, they basically became like Sodom and Gomorrah. They just got just like filled with the devil, really just corrupt. And the rest of you know, these evil things were happening. And the rest of Israel were so outraged that you know, they came looking for the perpetrators like, like of, 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 of what happened. And instead of submitting, because of the tribe of, of Benjamin had the best fighters, they decided to fight. They were like, man, man, you, there's no one in charge here. There's no king. It says in the beginning of, uh, uh, of, of the second to the last chapter of, of, of Judges, like there was no king at those times. There was no authority. It's like there's no no one's in charge here. Man, we're gonna do what we want. And they fought. And you know, in those it, it says it says in those days there was no king in Israel. Everybody did what was in what was in their own eyes. And every, and they fought. The tribes of Israel, all the rest of the tribes against one tribe, Benjamin, they fought. And the, the tribe of Benjamin got wiped out, literally got wiped out, except for 600 men, because they ran away. And those 600 men ultimately came back and became, you know, the tribe of Benjamin. But they almost got completely wiped out from the face of the earth. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, this is what it looks like with no authority. It's anarchy. When you have no authority, you have a lot of fighting. You know, a lot of just just backbiting. Have you ever been to been a part of a church split? My mom was part of a church split, and it was painful to see her. She worked so hard for that church. She was a cook, and my mom's a really good cook. And she was the cook. She would cook like meals for the whole entire church, and you know, and 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 with the church split over money, because you know the the land that they bought went from. It was right by Torrance Park, Wilson Park in Torrance. Like this commercial building. It went from being like, like one million dollars to like fifteen, twenty million dollars. So it went up. And they're like, man, they fought over that money. The denomination came in. Everybody, this, we should do it with this. We should just sell it and, and split the money, whatever. And my mom was in the middle and she was the cook. She's just cooking. She loves to cook. And it was sad because she was like, man, like a lot of her, the friends that she used to worship with, it had to go to the other church. And then her and her church, you know, I don't know which side of the church she was on, but she ended up worshiping at a hotel, the Marriott, for like two months. And then she was cooking at the Marriott. (laughs) But you know, this is what happened when there is no authority. God places leaders in spiritual authority and makes us submit to prevent and protect us from things like this. Your leaders may not be perfect, and may, may, and may make mistakes, but even those, even those risks, leaders must exercise spiritual authority in the church. You know, and this is a question that a lot of people ask. This is, a, this is their excuse. It's like, well, I'll submit to a leader if they're competent. I'll, I'll submit to a competent leader. Give me like a Wick Warren or a Joel Olstein. You know, not some dude that came out of prison. Give me some some real authority I can follow. You know? and, and, and they make it sound like the problem is on the leader. Let me propose to you this today. That the problem is not on the leader, but the problem lies with you in your heart. It's clear. And they make it sound like it's the leader's fault. But let me tell you. Let me tell you about a very competent leader. A very competent leader. He was so competent that God revealed himself to him face to face. He was, he has such accolades as delivering the Israelites out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, and delivering the Ten Commandments. You know, he was a good pastor. He was probably the best, one of the best pastors. He was, the dude was competent. His name was? Big Mo. Big Mo. Bearded Mo. He was one of the greatest leaders that ever lived. And some of you guys are saying, well, if I had Moses, I'd definitely submit, man. If, if Moses was my pastor, man, I'd submit. And maybe you would, just like the Israelites did at the beginning. But when things start getting tough, when he starts challenging you, when he makes decisions that you don't agree with, it might not be so easy. When we read after the accounts of the Exodus, when things start to get tough, you know, they parted the Red Sea, they're, they're in, the, in the wilderness, man is falling from the sky, and When things started to get tough, what did the Israelites start to do? They started to grumble. And they refused to submit to the authority of Moses. Later on in Numbers chapter 12, even his own brother and sister Aaron and Miriam, you know, they were supposed to be their co-leaders and they, they're like, man, God didn't, he didn't just talk to Moses, he talked to us too. You know, like he talked to us just the same, man. And they started getting like, you know, they started getting prideful and they started challenging Moses' authority. And what happened to Miriam? The homegirl got leprosy. And it says the word of God, the Lord heard it. And and you know I'm not saying that when when you go against me or Pastor Christian that you're going to get leprosy. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you gossip, criticize, slander your leaders, God hears what you say. He hears what you say. But you look at a righteous man like David. He never speaks ill against his authority, even when they're out to completely destroy him. He recognized spiritual authority. In Numbers 13, twelve spies are sent out to the Promised Land. Two men are submissive. What's his? What, what are their names? Joshua. Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> Caleb is a great man. You know, and, and uh, it says that. Uh, uh, it says that you know. The, the the twelve men, twelve spies, were sent out. They came back, and Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. But the ten came out with a bad report. And what did the ten do? Instead of submitting to Moses' authority, they go they go around the, all the Israel, the, the Israel people and start spreading that bad news. And and Moses wanted to lead them into the Promised Land, but soon the people had other plans to run back to Egypt. It's a failure of submission. And in Numbers 14, 8 through 9, if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give us, give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Now when you read, when you lead people to rise up against God's chosen leaders, it's an act of rebellion. But you know what? It's not a, a rebellion against that man. It's a rebellion against God. God knows that your leaders may not be perfect. He knows that the situation is hard but it does not give you the right to rebel. And in the word of God the rebellion was very costly. You know, the whole generation that you know that that whole generation could not enter the promised land. They were wandering in the desert for 40 years. You know the story goes on numbers chapter 16. Korah, Dathan, uh, Abiram, they rise up against Moses, challenge his leadership. What happens, man? The ground opens up and swallows them whole. Once again, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. But I'm saying God hears your hearts. When, you, when you're not submitting, God, God is able to see that. God is able to hear that. And, it, and there's judgment for the people that speak wrongly against God's, God's uh, anointed. Now, and Why did the Israelites fail over and over again to submit to Moses' authority? Why? Now, why did they slander, challenge and rebel? You know, is it because Moses was a bad leader? Because, you know, he wasn't, you know, competent? Wasn't he the same one that parted the Red Sea that delivered them out of Egypt? Story after story, they they reject his authority. But brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. Why do you fail to submit to your spiritual authorities? Why have you failed in the past to submit to your small group leaders, your pastors, Wives, why do you fail? That's no, just kidding. <laughs> Wives, why do you fail to submit to your, ho- your husband and challenge their authority? Why? Even if Moses was your leader, you would probably do what the Israelites did. Why? Do you know why? You want me to tell you why you would do the same? It's because you are Israel. You are Israel. God gave Israel as a lesson book for the nations. You and I do what Israel did the lessons that Israel has to learn, had to learn, those are the lessons that we have to learn. They're there to paint a picture of what we are like. And a lack of submission is never an issue that lies with the leader. Lack of submission is always an issue that lies in the heart. It's a heart issue. And when we take a closer look, if we really look, at, look into it like in uh, James chapter 4 and in First Peter 5, lack of submission is a heart issue that deals with pride. It's your pride. A person that refuses to submit is a person who lacks humility, humility and faith. They lack faith. You know why? They don't trust God. They feel like they have to take control. That that if the matters were left without their involvement, they would not go their way. Brothers and sisters, if you don't learn this lesson now, you will never develop a call of sense. Uh, develop a sense of call in your life. If you're not under authority. Like under Eli and Saul. You, know, you, will, you will feel aimless. You will go from one thing to another in hope that it will get better, but the whole time you're going to feel like it just, it's going to feel aimless to you. A lot of people live their lives like this. A lot of people live their Christian lives like this. They go to one church, and they're like, oh, I like this church. This is great. And then right when the moment where any kind of issue of authority comes up, they're like, peace, I'm gone. Why are you telling me to do this? I'm going to go to another church. You know, and it's because of hearts like this that's watered down the church so. It's a failure to submit to authority. It's never an issue with the leader, but it's an issue with the heart. You're going to feel aimless if you, don't, if you aren't able to put yourself under authority. You know, and for the record, I'm going to tell you two reasons why you sh- you wouldn't submit to authority okay to only two why you wouldn't submit to spiritual authority first if submitting to them means you have to sin so if i ask trevor like hey trevor take that offering basket and put it in my car <laughs> if-, if i tell you to do some 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 you know like something shady like that you say no i will not submit no or if submitting means that you have to believe in heresy For those of you guys who for those of you guys don't know what heresy is, is anything that goes against the word of God. So if I tell you one day that I am the reincarnated form of Jesus Christ, and that me along with my dog Nugget will (laughs) usher in the new rule of the kingdom of God. And if I'm preaching this, you're gonna say you have the right to say, you know what, I will not submit to that. But anything else. You, God calls you to submit. Those are the only two reasons why you would not submit. Now, I've been painting kind of a dark picture here of spiritual authority. I'm going to say not all your spiritual authority is going to be jacked up. No, There's going to be good spiritual leaders in your life. You might not have a, a problem submitting and bad-mouthing your leaders. That might not be you. And for a lot of you guys, that isn't you. You guys are, you guys are good. You, know, you guys are good sons. You guys submit to authority. You guys are walking right with the Lord. But there's an opposite side to this coin. When you have a spiritual authority that's over you, and this person is righteous and walking right with the Lord, and that leader is telling you one thing, but in the natural, you don't see that in your life. It's, submission means you believe what they say. Submission means you go with what they say. You need to submit and choose to believe in your spiritual authority more than sometimes than you see in the natural. I'm going to give you an example. It's JM, John Michael. He was my first small group leader when I came to Korea. And back then, I was pretty jacked up. I was like, you know, I was smoking, I was drinking, doing all this bad, looking at bad things on the Internet. I was doing bad things. I was living a bad life. But, you know, what? when I met for a small group, he would speak identity over me. I was like, man, you are righteous. You are holy. You are blameless. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. And he would speak this over me. But inside, I feel like, man, I feel like a pervert. <laughs> nah, that's what I did. I, I, that's what I feel. But even when I come in, I say, you know what? I messed up again. He's like, man, you speak, you speak identity over me. It's like, you know, you are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are precious to God. You are redeemed. You are paid with a price. You are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what? At first, I didn't, you know, I didn't submit. But as I submitted to His Word, my life started to change. You know why? Because God was speaking through Him. Yeah. You guys, sometimes you might not feel the what, what your spiritual leader is telling you. This is another sermon all in, some, in his own. I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but now sometimes your spiritual leader might say, you know, this is you. But you know, you go home and you're like, that's not me. But you know, you have to choose to believe. And submit to the authority. Submission goes both ways, good and bad. You gotta submit. You gotta believe sometimes what your spiritual authority is speaking over you. Now I want to close by going back to our original text in First Samuel chapter three. I want us to go to first Samuel chapter three, verses four to seven. It says, Then the Lord came to Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, are you uh, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And what's interesting about this passage is that Samuel thought that the voice of God sounded a lot like Eli. That's because a lot of times, the voice of the Lord will sound a lot like your spiritual authority. If you want to develop a sense of call, it's essential that you listen to spiritual authority. I'm not talking about perfect leaders. I'm talking about imperfect leaders that make mistakes, that have their weaknesses. You need to listen to what they're saying. Because many times it's not them talking, it's God speaking through them. It's them it's God speaking through your spiritual authority. And there's times where I'll talk to someone and I'll just be talking and I'd be like, you know, this and that and they'd be like, Wow, Pastor Caleb, I didn't see it that way. You know, that's that, that wow, you know, that's a real breakthrough in my life. That's you know, like I was I'd be talking to them and I'd just kinda of try to minister. I had no plan to do that. Wasn't consciously wanting to minister to them in that way, but sometimes somehow I did. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. But you know what, you know what that is? It's God using me to speak to the people in my life. You know, it's it's like many times, you know, we think that, you know, our spiritual authority it's our, we get blocked and we think that it's our spiritual authority that's speaking to us. And that block is there because some, some, there might be something wrong with your spiritual authority. But when your heart is in submission, you're looking at God. And it's God speaking to you. More often than not, God will use spiritual authority to speak to me. And God does this to shape my call, to test me, to speak wisdom into my life. Now, last year, me and Pastor Mina were getting married. And there was a lot, there was a lot of issues running around our heads. A lot of voices trying to speak into our lives lot of people saying this and that a lot of just uh, uh, manipulation coming from families and all this all this stuff and you know there is a time when we start second guessing ourselves we're like man what's going on should we just not get married should we not go to buzan because you know us getting married and coming here to buzan was like kind of interlinked i mean and we we're like maybe we should just split it up maybe we should, maybe uh we should just move, go to Buzon and not be married and we can just live there uh, and you know you can get an apartment I can get another apartment and we we're just thinking all this stuff because there were so, so there's all this opposition to our marriage and then we were sort of second guessing what God had planted in our hearts but you know what in in the midst of all those words we heard a clear voice of God it was like Josh it's like, it's, like, it's like Samuel getting up it's like Eli Lord, did you call? You know, we heard the voice of God, and it came through the voice of Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. You know, when they spoke into our lives, everything made sense. It was like, bam! I remember the day we went to their house. We were like, man, we're confused. I don't know what's going on. My mom says this. Her mom is saying that she's not going to come. Her mom like hates me and this and that. And you know, like we have to go to Busan next month. What do we do? You know, like maybe we shouldn't get married. Ah. and then they spoke a word into our life. And it was like the word of the Lord. Like it's going off in our head like a bell. Like bing. And it wasn't because their words were so eloquent. And it was in phrased in such a right way. It was because it was voice of the Lord. That was coming from Pastor Christian and Aaron. And it just ministered to us. And it, it set us. And it resolved us. And we confronted those, the, the manipulation that was happening. The witchcraft spirit. We confronted it. And you know what? In the end, right now, Mina's mom loves me. Well, she doesn't love me. She's real nice to me over the phone. She hasn't talked about my weight. You know, she, that's, a, that's a plus. You know? But you know, we, we really hit it head on. And, and you know what? It's because we heard the voice of the Lord through our spiritual authority. Samuel, by submitting to his authority, he was able to hear God's voice Clearly. And it was through Eli that he he learned to hear the the voice of the Lord. But when you do not submit, you will never develop your sense of call. You will go from one thing to another, feeling hopeless, maybe thinking that the next place will be better, it might be better, feeling aimless. You won't enjoy the, the blessings that come from the anointing that flows from the top down. You will walk in presumption and not prophecy. Those people... They're quick to criticize. They're slow to serve. They, they don't walk in favor, but they walk in fear. They go from place to place. And they're never able to find what they really want. My message today is simple. It's called Mission of Submission. And if you want to develop a sense of call on your life, you've got to get under authority. You've got to submit to spiritual leaders. You might not like it, I didn't like it at first. I was like, man, what's going on? You're, you're keeping me from doing what I want to do. I want to be free like an eagle. <laughs> but you know what? That freedom that you feel, man, that just leads to bondage. Unless that freedom comes from a place where God's speaking into your life. And it comes from submitting to authority, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of newcomers here today. And I encourage you guys. You, know, you guys might not have get, gotten this completely but it, get it in your in your in your spirit there's truth behind this there's a lot of truth behind this there might be some of you guys that have been wandering from church to church and and think back this might be the reason why you weren't able to stay at that one church let's all close our eyes Let's pray you know God gave us the perfect example of submission in the form of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though was God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and submitted himself to the will of the Father. He submitted himself to the point of death on a cross. Now It was this act of submission that brought salvation to the world. He humbled his heart, became like us, so that he can save us. You know what, Lord? We pray that you, we will be able to humble ourselves. To be more like you. And help us to submit to the authority that you place over us. And Lord, we have faith knowing that you are in control. That it, it, it doesn't come upon man, but it comes upon you. You are in control. And we have faith in you. And so we submit. And we give you our hearts, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that you will establish a heart of submission in this house, Lord. A heart of submitting to leaders and a submission to your word and to your call. I pray that you will start developing a sense of call over every single person in this place. Minister to them, Lord. Bring them to the place where they are able to clearly see... The plans that you have for them. The amazing, the wonderful, the the, all, the fabulous plans. They're so great. Your plans for us are so amazing. Help us to get there, God. Help us to know the call that you have for us, Lord. By developing our sense of call, Lord, through submission, Lord. And we know right now that submission can't happen without putting first things first. Submission can't happen without a relationship with you. Submission can't happen without character. Submission can't happen without obedience. And we know, Lord Father God, that as we draw closer to you, God, you bring us into a heart of submission, God. Because because this is what Jesus Christ did. This is what you did. Jesus, you submitted. And, And it wasn't an act of weakness, but it was the greatest act of power that ever existed in the history of mankind, in the history of the universe. It wasn't a sign of weakness, but it was a sign of power. It was a sign of strength. So we submit our hearts, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray.